the only July 3rd, 2022 you'll ever be a part of. All right, so uh, welcome. Uh, we are in our study of the story of David. So that is where we've been this summer. I've got my youth who are doing what? Summer in the, summer in the Psalms, yes. So I'll mention a little bit about that this morning as well because they go together. So we're looking at the story of David. So let me pray, and then I'll catch you guys up. I think this is week <clears throat> four. Four, thank you. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, with, when we were doing the book of John, it was a lot easier because we were just doing one chapter. Chapter one was week one. Chapter two was week two. It was real simple. But now we've been kind of jumping around, doing a couple chapters at the same time, so now I've got to really think about it. And it's summer, and my brain is on summer brain. So, But hopefully you have been in the book of 1 Samuel is where we find the story of David. Hopefully you've been studying and looking at 1 Samuel and, and getting into 2 Samuel. And so uh, if you haven't been doing that, then it's a great time to do that and start reading and, and looking at this story on your own. But we have 1 Samuel 24 today. 1 Samuel chapter 24. We will be in that chapter. And let me pray. All right? Lord, thank you for your scriptures. Thank you, Lord, for this story of David that we can get so much good uh, lesson and teaching from, Lord, that you have given us, God, that we can see the insights of who David was and how he looked to you, God, and trusted you. And so we ask right now, Lord, as we read this scripture, Lord, that you would open up our eyes, open up our ears to what you have for us this morning. Lord, each and every one of us are, are going through uh, separate things. We're also going through things together as a, as a church and as a, as a people group here. And so I just thank you, Lord, that you speak to all of us, God. And so we want to be open to you, to receiving what you have for each of us in this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so 1 Samuel 24. This title of this chapter is David Spares Saul's Life. All right, so at this point, in the story, David has been running from King Saul. Back when we first started in 1 Samuel 16, David was anointed as king, but there was already a king in place, and his name was Saul. So you can imagine how Saul must have felt in that moment when he sees this David boy being anointed as king. Like, Wait a second, what is happening? And then we see how uh, David defeats Goliath in chapter 17 and 18 there, and we see how Saul saw that. Saul saw that moment. You'll, you'll hear a lot of that. And so you see this moment where David steps up, and he's this warrior, and people are praising him for what he's done. And so you can kind of, in the story, see how, how Saul is kind of starting to get really, really jealous and really envious of what's happening here and bubbling up. And so, so he leaves. Uh, David leaves because Saul tries to kill him, throws spears at him. And David is really good friends with his with Saul's son, Jonathan. So there's a, a conflict there because David and Jonathan are like best friends. Jonathan is Saul's son. And so there's a lot of family drama here. And David really grew up with, with Jonathan and Saul kind of as another almost like father figure to him. And so you can feel this kind of confusion, this tension happening. David runs for his life. And we see him in 1 Samuel 22 in a cave. And when he's in that cave, if you look at 1 Samuel 22, which I know we already went through last week, but I just want to point out one thing, is that when he was in this cave hiding from Saul, it says in, in verse 2, then others began coming, men who were in trouble or in debt or who were just discontented until David was the captain of about 400 men. 
So David wasn't on his own. He had other people who came along with him while he was in this uh, wilderness, while he was on the run. And so I want to talk about this wilderness experience that David is going through here. And so in this story, we find him once again on the run. He's in a, he's in a new place. He's in a place called En Gedi. And, and this is in Israel. En Gedi is this kind of a, a oasis in the desert. Anybody ever been to En Gedi that's near the Dead Sea? All right, yeah, I've been there. It's, a, it's an oasis in the middle of this desert. It's right near the Dead Sea. Uh, but it's very, uh, very, there's a lot of vegetation there, a lot of growth there. Um, and so it's a great place that David found that the Lord uh, secured him in this stronghold. And so Saul finds out that David is in En Gedi. And so Saul's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get 3,000 elite troops to go after him. Now, why is 3,000? Well, because at this point now, David has about 600 men. If you see in 1 Samuel 23, it says that David had about 600 men now with him. And so also there's songs about David, how he kills 10,000, right? Saul has his thousands, but David has 10,000. So Saul is working out of jealousy, anger, uh, probably a lot of fear. And so he's like, I got to get 3,000 elite troops to go and get this guy, David. And so that's where we find ourselves in this, in this situation. And so I want to read this chapter. It's not, it's not too long. I want to read it, but I want you to pay attention to what Saul's doing, what David's doing, what the men are doing, Saul's men, David's men, and then also what God is doing in all of this. We're going to see a dialogue that David has with Saul in this scene, which we haven't gotten. Saul's done a lot of terrible things to David already, trying to kill him, and David's running for his life. But we haven't really gotten a dialogue where David, you'll see him kind of burst out against Saul. What? Why are you doing this? Okay, so you can sense this tension happening where where David's had a lot of things boiling up in him, ready to burst. And so he had a moment to really take out Saul, his life, but he doesn't. He spares his life. I already told you that detail, so it's not spoiling it. He spares his life. But David does confront Saul with his, with his words. And then we, saw, we see Saul's reaction to what David says. All right? So let's go ahead and read this story together. And uh, it's in 1 Samuel 24. I'm reading from the NLT. So it's up there. You can, yeah, there you go. All right. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding further back in the very cave. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with you as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. The Lord knows I shouldn't have done that to my lord, the king, he said to his men. The Lord forbid that I should do this to my lord, the king, and attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, My Lord, the king! And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. Then he shouted to Saul, Why do you listen to the people who say I am trying to harm you? 
This very day you can see with your own eyes it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said, I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It is a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I am not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you, even though you have been hunting for me to kill me. May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you are trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. As that old proverb says, from evil people come evil deeds. So you can see, be sure that I will never harm you. Who is the king of Israel trying to catch anyways? Should, I, should he spend his time chasing one who is worthless as a dead dog or a single flea? May the Lord therefore judge which of us is right and punish the guilty one. He is my advocate and he will rescue me from your power. When David had finished speaking, Saul called back. Is that really you, my son, David? Then he began to cry. And he said to David, you are a better man than I am, for you have repaid me good for evil. Yes, you have been amazingly kind to me today. For when the Lord put me in a place where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. Who else would let his enemy get away when he had him in his power? May the Lord reward you well for the kindness you have shown me today. And now I realize that you are surely going to be king and that the kingdom of Israel will flourish under your rule. Now swear to me, by the Lord, that when that happens, you will not kill my family and destroy my line of descendants. So David promised this to Saul with an oath. Then Saul went home, but David and his men went back to their stronghold. So you see this tension happen where Saul is in this very moment where he is going into a cave to go to the bathroom. So we see that God does find potty humor funny because in this very moment, he's, he's setting him up. He's right there. And David could have taken him out. I mean, how odd is this story, right? I mean, if we're honest with you, this is pretty odd. And so it's just, it's, it's crazy how in this very place is where, where Saul, sorry, I lost some of you guys there. We'll recover. Saul finds himself right near David, doesn't even know it. And he's in a vulnerable place because he left his men. His, his 3,000 troops didn't go in there with him. He left his men, but yet there's David with his 600 men. And here is what happened is that in that moment, David, it's interesting how David felt bad for what he did. He didn't harm him. He just cut the little piece of his robe. But David felt he's so tender to what, what the Lord's doing. He, he felt bad about that. But then later in the story, when, when David becomes king, we see him uh, doing some things that are way worse than cutting a hem of the robe and um, not feeling guilty for a long time about doing that. So it's interesting that here David's in the wilderness and such a small little act of harm um, he felt really bad about. And so that's something to, to consider there is that in the wilderness there, David was really tender to what God was doing in the very small moments. But then when he, when he became king, when he had power, there was some corruption that happened to David. So, so there he, he is. He cut off the, the, the hem of, of Saul's garment. And who knows, you know, Saul probably had his garment, you know, we think about how, how did he get so close? Well, Saul probably had his garment to the side, possibly laid it out, and, and that's probably how he got it. We don't know. Or it was just really loud outside where the, where the troops were. And so here's the biggest difference in this moment, is that in this moment, David was being told by his men, God, this is it. God gave you this moment. This is it. Listen. 
take him out. If you do that, you'll become king. This is it, David. God's saying it to you. But David doesn't listen to that, does he? He has such discernment to know what God's voice is, what God is doing. Even though these people were saying, in the name of God, it's something good to do. It's take him out. Come on. You're the king. You've been anointed. And so I'm sure David was wrestling, but because of his experience in the wilderness, because of his time there, listening and praying to God in the quiet, outside of that kingdom, outside of the busyness, outside of those, uh, of, of under Saul's unhealthy rule, he was outside where God was, and he was tender to what God was saying. I, guys, hold on. I don't think that's what God's saying right now. And so David was really wrestling with what God was saying, even though there were 600 men whispering to him, this is it, this is it, this is it. 600 men against one voice of God. And David chose the one voice of God. Yes, he chose that in that moment. He said, you know what? This isn't the time. This is the Lord's, God has anointed him. He might, David might be wrestling with that. I'm not sure why. I think he's not a very good king, but God knows what he's doing. And so David trusted in that moment. And here's the biggest difference is that Saul we see listening to all these other troops. Go take out David. He wants to take you out. That's why David's here. He's trying to kill you, Saul, so go after him. Saul's like, I, I guess that's what, yeah, you're right, everybody. I should go after David. And so he goes and, and spends his whole life, instead of doing what he should be doing as a king, he's on the run as well. But he's running after David because he's listening to the voice of all these people who think they know what they're talking about. So he goes after David. But here's David, and here's the biggest difference between Saul and David. David's not finding um, refuge in people and listening to them and their voice. He's, he's finding refuge in solitude with God. That's how he's able to discern the voice of God with these people. And so then you see this moment where David does have the hem of his garment. And so God uses this, even though David feels bad about it, God uses this moment in a very prophetic way to Saul, where he's holding this piece of garment. Hey, Saul, look what I got. I didn't kill you, even though your 3,000 elite troops and plus are all telling you that I'm trying to kill you. I didn't kill you. Isn't this proof? Shouldn't you change your heart and change your ways, Saul? Look what I got. And if you remember in the story, in 1 Samuel 15, when Saul was, was, was doing wrong and sinning, Samuel, the prophet, confronted him. And when he confronted him, Saul got angry and tore a piece of Samuel's robe. So Saul tore a piece of Samuel's robe in 1 Samuel 15. And what did Samuel say? Samuel said, the prophet Samuel said, oh, you know what this means, Saul? You've just torn yourself. God has torn you from being king of Israel. He has torn you from the people. And Saul's holding up the piece of Samuel's robe, holding it up. And Samuel says, God has torn you away from the people. The kingdom has been torn from you. And it's been given to somebody better. It's been given to somebody else. And so here's the somebody else, the better person, David, holding this piece of garment of, of Saul. And so Saul's mind was probably being blown right now. Like, oh, my goodness, what is it? I remember that moment when Samuel told me that the, the kingdom was being torn from me. And now David, the one that's anointed his whole, oh, he was probably feeling a lot of uh, emotions right there, which is probably why Saul cries out. When David says, look, God is the judge. God is the judge. David could have been in the judge in that moment, right? Which, which is what kings do. David could have been like, you know what? I'm the king now. God's already anointed me as king. Here's the king. I'm going to be the judge of this situation. This king's doing bad. So I'm going to use my kingship and take out this king. Yeah. David didn't do that though. 
He didn't. He wasn't in that moment yet to make that judge, make that make himself the judge there. He said, God is the ultimate judge, King Saul. God is the one that's going to judge. How did David know all this? I mean, think about it. How, how scared was David? This man who he trusted, who he played music for, who he, who he served, this king who is his best friend's dad. I mean, right? Probably hung out with your best friend's dad a lot. I had a lot of best friend dads growing up where we always hang out, and they're always nice and kind. And, but here's a guy that David knew really well, and yet he's running after him. It's not a stranger to David. It's another father figure coming after him. And here he is. In this moment, David finds the ability to trust in God and not himself, and not even to trust in 600 other men with him that are in the same situation. David says, you know what? God knows what he's doing. God's the ultimate judge. God's the ultimate king. God is. I am not. Saul's not even the ultimate king. God is. And so at that very moment, Saul then cries out, David, you're so kind. You are so good. And there's almost remorse and repentance happens. Wow. Is this it? <gasps> David, could, it, could he go back home now with Saul? Wow, things are great now. Saul's all good. Let me just go back home. Does, does David go back home? No, it says that Saul did. Saul went back home, but David did not. David still stayed there, um, trusting in God. I, I don't think he felt comfortable to go back into the situation, even though Saul was like, wow, I'm so sorry. I'm never going to do this again. But then you flip the page and you read 1 Samuel 26, and <laughs> David's trying, or Saul's still trying to kill David. And what does David do in 1 Samuel 26? Is David spares Saul's life again. So there's that story um, where he does it again. So, with all this, uh, the biggest difference that we see, we see, we see Saul being so, um, his emotions are so sporadic, his emotions, where he's at one moment so fierce and angry and jealous, but then he's, oh, remorseful, and, you know, but then you see throughout this whole thing that David's really, actually really steady with his emotions. You know, he's really weighing these options in this moment of intensity where he could have killed Saul, but he's, he's really steady with what God's doing. And so, Saul is very, uh, you know, he's just very unstable, even though Saul had a very stable job. He's the king of Israel, right? I'm sure he's, he was fine. He was well off. He had, he had plenty of, of riches. He was very stable, a good-paying job, while David was running for his life. So both of these people in this story were actually in wildernesses, right? David's in a wilderness. Saul's in his own wilderness. But the, the difference is that David finds refuge in God, and Saul does not. And so that is what I want to tell you this morning and encourage you to do, is find refuge in God rather than anything else, rather than man, rather than anything else. We see the difference in this story of one person that found refuge in God and how it turned out for him, David. And then we see in the story how Saul does not find refuge in God and continues to wrestle and wrestle and wrestle until at the end of 1 Samuel 31, we do see Saul gets killed. And David continues to flourish and go after God. And so David didn't kill Saul in that very moment because he could see what God was doing. He had a hope. David had hope. Saul didn't have any hope. David found a new perspective in the wilderness. And that's what this does. If you find yourself in some sort of, of wilderness experience, and we talk about wilderness in the church a lot, and the wilderness experience is, is maybe a time when you're um, feeling a little bit hopeless, feeling a little despair, feeling 
um, like something's not going right in your life. There's, there's, there's a moment that you find yourself in where it's confusing, where it's a little dark, where you're, you're feeling like you're on the run, you're in between something, anything like that. You, you, you might have known what that experience is like, a wilderness experience. But here, David, his wilderness experience, God was able to teach him something very, very valuable. And so if you find yourself in a wilderness experience, be open to what God is wanting to teach you, wanting to give you, all right? Because the wilderness is something that God uses to train people. He trains them. Wildernesses aren't um, defined necessarily by physical places, but they're defined by uh, maybe what you're going through in a, in a moment. Everything could look like it's going okay for you in a place. Maybe you're like Saul, how he had a stable job and people all around him. But in his heart, there was a lot going on. But God was wanting to even teach Saul a lesson. And I think he did. I think Saul did feel that because he acknowledges, David, you are the next king. He acknowledges it. But then he doesn't really go through with it. He continues to kind of to go down a different path. And so with wildernesses, uh, you may be familiar with like a, a physical wilderness. Me and my family just went on a nice beach vacation on an island. Now, it was an island. And so we had, it was, it could be considered a wilderness at one point when it was an island and there was not much there, but then people inhabited it probably, you know, 150 years ago to make it something now it is today. But think about it. If we were on this island, shipwrecked, it wouldn't be a vacation. It would be us fighting for our lives, right? But instead, it was a nice, well-established beach where we could just sit back and look at the beach and go inside in the AC and go outside in the pool, go right down the road and get something to eat. It was not very hard for us to survive that week, and we probably overate a little bit that week. But if the situation was different, if we were just shipwrecked there, we would be doing a lot different things that we would be doing. Now, on our vacation, we didn't really work very much, but if you're a parent of three kids under seven, then you actually do a lot of work on vacation. And so that's what we were doing. We were working a lot on vacation, but it was fun. It was a good time. But, but the difference, though, if, if none of that was there, we would be working in that wilderness. And so if you find yourself in a wilderness, there's actually work to be done. God's working on you. There's also work that you need to do. It might be a different type of work, but a lot of times we find ourselves in wildernesses, and we just want to sit back and just, oh, man, woe is me. I can't survive this. Uh, but if you had that experience, then you're not going to survive. You've got to look to God, and God is doing something. And our main, I think our main work in the wilderness is learning, is learning, is studying, is reading, is, is, is listening to God. All these things that I tell my students to do. Listen, all right? Write some notes down. <laughs> this is work. Do your work. Write some notes down. Read the Bible. I teach Bible. <laughs> Read the Bible, do some work, read, all right? This is work, learn. And so when we're in the wilderness, I think our main work is learning, is listening to what God's doing, okay? Finding stability in what God is doing. And so we do find ourselves, though, in these wildernesses a lot, and we, we want to be lethargic, anxious, depressed about it. But there is work to be done. I went on a survival camp out one time in the wilderness. I did. I was excited about going, and uh, I was part of this group back when I was like in uh, a teenager in, in middle school. We were part of this Christian Royal Ranger group. Anybody know Royal Rangers? 
And uh, so we decided we wanted to go camping. So we told our leader, we want to do a survival camp out. Like, we just want to go out to the woods without anything and just, like, with our clothes, and that's it. Can we do that? We can survive off the land. We can go fishing with our bare hands, and we can find things to eat, like leaves. We're going to do it. We were 13 years old. We had ambitions, and we were excited. So the leader kind of played into it a little bit, like, yeah, okay, maybe we can do that. So we finally decided, here's what we'll do. Here's what we'll do. You, you won't bring a bag, but you can, whatever you fit in your pockets. Okay. So I had like a camo outfit on, so I had a bunch of pockets. And so I was 13 years old. So uh, Heavy Kevy decided to uh, fit his pockets with a bunch of, that was my nickname, if you can, um, fill his pockets with a bunch of Pop-Tarts and granola bars and everything I could eat that weekend. And so I did. I filled my, my pockets with granola bars and everything. I brought maybe like one pocket knife or something. I just figured we'd just lay there all. We didn't sleep usually on those campouts. And so I thought we would do that. But then it became um, kind of a mess. It was raining and stuff. And so me and a friend, you know, we were in survival mode. So we had to survive. So we were like, you know what? We got here with a van. Let's get the keys. So we decided to get our leader's keys of the van. And we uh, bunked out. We didn't make our own shelter because we're like, there's a van right there. (laughs) That's a shelter. We were supposed to make our own shelter. But we were smarter than that, you know. We're in survival mode. So we found the van keys. We got in the van, and we slept in the van all night. Our leader woke up and realized we were in the van and gave us a hard time about that. And so then our nicknames became the Van Dwellers after that on our survival campout that we went on. And so just in the, oh, no, I, can't, I hear you guys repeating the heavy, don't repeat the heavy, Kevy. I know. So anyways, uh, so just like me and my friend there in that survival mode in that wilderness, we, we kicked into gear and we saw an opportunity to find, find refuge in a van and dwell there. Um, in that same way in the wilderness here, we can find refuge in God. And how do we do that? How do we find refuge in God? Well, with my youth, we've been going through the book of Psalms. And so I feel like the Psalms is a great place where David has written many things in the book of Psalms, where he's written about these experiences. And we're going to read one in Psalm 57, which we'll read here at the end coming up. At Psalm 57 is actually a moment that we see an inside look into David's emotions. In the very story that we read in 1 Samuel 24, we believe that Psalm 57 is that very moment that David wrote uh, about that situation. And so we're going to see his emotions playing out. And I want to identify with those ourselves and, and use Psalm 57 at the end as a, as, a, as a way of prayer for us, as a way of, of going through what David went through, hearing how he connected himself to God in the wilderness. And I want to encourage us to do the very same thing, to find that refuge in God, to, to push ourselves and to, to reach out um, and, and to grab a hold of what he's doing. So God is our refuge that keeps us steady in a world that seems to be run by unhealthy people. There's a lot of things that are unhealthy around us, but God continues to steady us, just how he did with David. He steadied him out. The word of God does this. So here's, what, here's a recap of, of, of what happened in the wilderness for David. David trusted in God's plan, even in the wilderness. Sometimes we find ourselves in the wilderness, it's hard to understand what God's really doing, but David trusted. He had a faith in God's plan. David was a leader, in the wilderness, to other wilderness dwellers. So even if you're in a wilderness, God can still call you to lead other people while you're in that wilderness. Uh, When when Zoe was was first born, our our daughter, who's six years old, she had to, you know, have open heart surgeries when she was first uh, born. And so she spent her first month in the hospital 
And so you can imagine the, the wilderness that, that we felt like we were in in that moment, seeing our, our daughter go through what she went through. Um, but in that moment, I actually felt a lot of, of, of refuge in God. I felt a lot of strength from him. I found myself actually ministering to other people in that moment, even though my daughter was there in that room. There was other people's daughters that were in that room. There's other people that were going through the same thing I was going through. And we all rallied around each other, and I was able to actually minister to people. And it was, it was an, a unique experience that God gave me the grace to do that, even though I, I felt like I didn't want to at times because we were going through such a hard time. But God was like, hey, that person's also going through a hard time. Share with them this. Whoa, okay. And so God gave me that, that energy and that passion to be able to do that. And so if you find yourself in a wilderness, look around. There's other people that are there. And there's, there's probably other people in the wilderness that aren't trusting in God, but are trusting in the other 600 people around them. Because <laughs> a lot of times those 600 other people can get into their own heads and, and figure, oh, let's figure things out. Let's all figure it out. But then you got a person like David or a person like you that have, has found refuge in God. Trust in that. Trust, trust in yourself. Trust in what God's doing in your own life. I feel like sometimes we don't trust ourselves with what God's doing in our lives. Oh, I don't know if that's really God. You spent two hours in prayer this morning. What do you mean you don't think that's God? <laughs> that's probably you. You spent two more hours than probably everybody else in the world with God this morning. Yeah, you hear from God. Well, I don't know. No, trust in what God's doing and give, give a word of encouragement to somebody that, that's also going through a hard time that you have maybe have already gone through and God's already brought you through that. That happens a lot. God brought you through a situation. You see another person in that same situation. God's like, oh, makes sense. I'll go talk to them. So David was a leader in the wilderness. It says that he actually also held his men back from killing Saul. I mean, think about it. Those 600 men, they were like, they, they saw their moment too. If we take out Saul, David, our friend's going to be king. We're going to be living it. We're going to be, we're, we're tired of living in this cave. We're, we're tired of living in this water. Let's go be in the king's house. So let's take him out, guys. Let's do that. Don't you think they were talking about that plan? But David, in his leadership, held them back. No, if you do that, God will not be happy with you. Do not do that. So David led in the wilderness. In the wilderness here, it's, a God, it's God's way of working out holiness in David, and he, and, he does, and he does that. So the book of Psalms, I just want to encourage you once again, and, and I want to read Psalms 57 here. So if, if Kayla, you want to come up to, to, to lead in that time. But the book of Psalms, I want to highly recommend and encourage you. If you feel like you're in a wilderness, the book of Psalms has 150 Psalms in it. So I'm sure you could find one in there or a phrase in there that you can really relate to and the emotions that Psalms has. And so find yourself in the Psalms this summer. Psalms is like that wilderness guide if you find yourself in the wilderness. Oh, I have her here. Sweet. Work in the wilderness. Here's some more work you can do. I said, study the Psalms. It's our wilderness guide. Prayer, which I already said, learn what God is doing. Listen, learn what, what he's doing while you're in that wilderness. And then work on trusting in God, just like David did Trusting in God. Work on that. God wants to, to show you. You can trust in him. He's, he's good. So I want to read Psalm 57. If you want to read it in your word or, or read it on the screen with us. But what I want to do with this is uh, we, 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 we do this in youth group where we'll, we'll soap. We use the soap method of scripture reading and journaling where I ask them, you know, one scripture that they found that really stood out to them in that moment. 
and then write it out and write out a prayer. You don't have to do that right now. Um, but what I want to do is as I read it, I want you to just be open and hear what God has uh, for you in this psalm. So let's read Psalm 57. And just be open to, to what God is wanting to teach you in this moment. Ask him, Lord, what do I need to learn from you in this wilderness? What do I need to learn from you? I also ask him, what, what other person do I need to, to minister to? Even if I feel like I can't do it because I'm going through my own things. God, show me somebody that I can reach out to. So I'm going to read Psalm 57. A Psalm of David regarding the time he fled from Saul and went into the cave. Verse 1, have mercy on me, O God, have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. That one got me. God who will fulfill his purpose for me. He will send help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who hound me. My God will send forth his unfailing love and faithfulness. I am surrounded by fierce lions who greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows, and whose tongues cut like swords. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. My enemies have set a trap for me. I am weary from distress. They have dug a deep pit in my path, but they themselves have fallen into it. My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. Wake up, my heart. Wake up, O lyre and harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. And if you sing really loud, you'll wake your kids up too in the morning. But do it anyways. How many times have they woken you up? I will wake the dawn with my song. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations, for your unfailing love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. So let's just use that psalm right now. If you just want to pray, if you want to come to the front, if you feel like you need to, you can make your way up here and just Ask the Lord to move in your heart. I just want to spend a few minutes in prayer on this psalm. Just ask what God's doing in our individual lives, as well as a people group. Here in the book of Psalms, is very individual where, where David is wrestling and, and, and sharing with God. We also see that in the book of Numbers, the book of Numbers is actually a whole book about the wilderness, where you see the people of God collectively hearing from God. And, and moving in that journey. And so we definitely need to hear from God as a group, as his church, as his body, because uh, the body of Christ finds herself in the wilderness quite often here in this world, if not all the time. And so we definitely need to hear 
what God is saying to the church today, the church in America, the church here at Maranatha, in Jacksonville. I'm so thankful that we have a church that we have other uh, uh, churches and bodies here that we connect with and that we are unified. And, and I love seeing that. I love seeing the, the house of prayer here that unifies the church in Jacksonville. So we need to hear what the Lord's saying right now to us as a whole. But I understand that we all have certain things that the Lord is doing with us in our life. And so if you need prayer for something, we will love to pray with you and walk you through that. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for this book. We thank you for Psalms. We thank you, Lord, that you reveal yourself to us in such unique ways. We thank you, Lord, that you love and care for us as individuals. We love, we love that you love us. We want to enjoy just your love right now. I pray in this Psalm, God, that you would uh, show each of us the purposes you have for us, Lord. That as we cry out to God most high, as we cry out to you, Lord God, most high, not kind of high, you're the most high God, you're, you're above all, you're the Lord of lords, the King of kings, you're above all the King Saul's in this world, who all those King Saul's in this world will have to bow at the name of Jesus one day. You're the God most high that we talk to is above all that. We cry out to you, to the God who will fulfill his purposes for me. So Lord, we thank you, God, that you have purpose for each of us in this room right now. There's many of us who have known our purpose and who have seen things that you've done and who have, you've accomplished great things through many of us here. We're awesome. That's awesome. But then after that, sometimes we find ourselves in the wilderness. We're like, wait, what's going on now? So if there's anybody in here who who is in that spot where maybe they've been working a lot for you, God, and doing great things for you, but but they find themselves in this confusing place where afterwards there's things that have happened to them that they weren't expecting. God, I pray that you'd reach out in your tenderness, God, your mercy, and show them mercy right now, God, and grace. Pray for the brokenhearted in this room, God. We want to pray for those who don't know you, God, that we know and that we love and family members who we live life with who don't know you, God. We want to we want to pray for those that, that just need salvation. They need saving. So pray right now for those that are that are lost, intercede for them on their life. Pray for our friends, Lord, don't know you, God. Pray that in this time, in this world, Lord, that feels so chaotic and feels so anxious and feels so depressing at times and hopeless in this world. If they're not looking to you, they're just going to grow even more hopeless. And I pray that they would look to you and find refuge in you, God. So I just want to leave you alone with that psalm or any other psalms or uh, just spend a few minutes here in prayer with God.